Donovan Mitchell. He sees now it's down. He'll take it into the path. Gets it. Do you believe this guy? Who is he? Who is the dude? Donovan Mitchell for three. Hello and welcome to the Dorm Room Dispute Podcast. I am Mitchell Kaminsky. Did you enjoy your Memorial Day weekend? I guess it's last week now, the time you're listening to this, but I sure as hell did. I was at a White Sox game uh, watching the White Sox beat the Orioles. It was their 13th straight loss, and uh, we were sitting next to the opposing pitcher's family. We were like kind of behind home home plate there, and the guy was making his first start of the season, so uh, it was kind of awkward cheering when Billy Hamilton launched one off of him, uh, and Billy Hamilton, you know, he's not really... Not really the known known for his hitting prowess until recently. Um, he launched a home run, so celebrating that in front of their family, a little bit awkward. But uh, overall, the kid didn't pitch that bad. I mean, considering he was a left-hander facing the White Sox, the White Sox usually feast off of lefties. As soon as we like went to sit down, like I saw the jerseys uh, for him, and his name was Keegan Atkin. And I was like, oh, because you see a bunch of Atkin jerseys for the Orioles. It's like, okay, no one's buying an Atkin jersey. These guys are clearly related to him. Sure enough, we're talking to him. Came down from Michigan to watch their, their son pitch. They had their uh, aunt, the uncle, a couple cousins there. There's the, the whole Atkin family was there. It was like, oh, this could be for a rough day for them. But he actually, the kid did not pitch that bad. So it worked out for the best. Uh, he didn't pitch terrible. The White Sox won. It was kind of funny. Anyway, let's get right into it. NBA playoff action and I want to start with this now game six of the Lakers Sun Series is tonight by the time you're listening to this you will know the outcome of this Uh, and my prediction is I think the Lakers are probably going to win at home there we shall see how that goes but with a healthy Chris Paul it's proven difficult regardless if they win tonight or lose when you're listening to this I I want to specifically talk about the Lakers and LeBron James's game five performance and I've said this in the past. I love Le- LeBron James. You just ask anyone in my high school. There is no bigger LeBron James defender than myself. And, you know, everyone wants to make all these games about his legacy. One game is not going to make or break his legacy. But I will say this. He deserves the lion's share of the blame for what happened in Game 5 there. And I understand that his teammates played terribly. He had no help. He was being triple teamed. And on the surface, his numbers don't look terrible. He scored 24 points. But it was absolutely, this loss is absolutely on LeBron. He absolutely competed against him. And here's why. As a leader of that team, you're setting the tone early. And he looked like he came out there with no sense of urgency. And it rubbed off. There was a, a lack of effort on the defensive end all night. They got dominated. And then you leave the floor six minutes early, basically just showing that you, you've given up on the rest of your team. But like as far as the game goes itself, like there was no sense of urgency out there. None. No presence whatsoever. It was like very... Defl- like, like Chris Paul had nine points that game, and he had more of an impact because he's out there, and he, he has a presence on the floor. You know, he's tough. He's gritty. He's battling through an injury. His teammates rally around that. He's putting his team in the best position to win. He's giving it effort, and that rubs off of everyone. There seemed like a sense of urgency. We need to win this game. And Game 5 is a huge game. Whoever wins Game 5 of an NBA playoff series usually goes on to win the series over 70% of the time. 
So you can't tell me it wasn't a big game. That was a huge game for the Lakers in their season. And I know Anthony Davis was missing. And I know no one could make a shot. Like, Marcus Gasol was terrible. Schroeder was terrible. They were all bad. KCP, non-existent. They, they were bad. They were bad. Brown didn't have a whole lot of help. But the tone he set rubbed off on the rest of the team because they did not look like they wanted to be there. They looked like you could not tell that this was an important game. It looked like some blow-off game in the middle of January. And that made me sick. There is no reason you should be losing by 30 points. Because on paper, I you know what? And I understand this this Lakers team isn't as talented as everyone thinks. But you cannot pull the teammate card here. Like, oh, he doesn't have any help. Like, this is not the lowly Cavaliers. Like, this team won the NBA championship last year. There's some talent on the roster. Marcus Gasol has won an NBA title. KCP's very capable. Kuzma's a capable scorer. Schroeder was great with Atlanta and the Thunder. He's a scorer. Andre Drummond's a former All-Star. So you can't tell me there's no talent. Caruso, he busts his ass out there. There's talent on that team. There's talent. There's no reason you're getting blown out. Like, but It should not be that bad. Does teammates play bad? Yes. But I do not want to hear, oh, he has no help. He has no help. Because there, there is talent there. Why don't you maximize it? Now, I'm not saying, listen, I know he's older. I know he's older. But this is saying LeBron James that scored 41 in an NBA Finals game last year. And maybe it's the injury thing. I understand it. And, you know, you're not going to get, like, the same Miami Heat LeBron where he's dropping. But he has not had this playoffs. He's only averaging, like, 23 points a game. Like, that's what you're going to get out of him. He's not, t- like, I I wanted him to come out, like, take this game over. And I get, you got to get your teammates involved. But this should have been one of those LeBron James, put your head down. I'm going to try and get to the basket, get to the foul line punish him inside, and look, it was congested. They, they basically had him triple team, so he's he's got to get teammates involved. But even, like, on the defensive end, like, there's, you know, like a burst. Let's see a burst. Burst of effort that rubs off. And they didn't look. He looked. He came out flat. He came out flat. It rubbed off on the rest of the team, and that's why I put it on him. Now, mind you, some of this is also goes on uh, Anthony Davis here, who is very unreliable. He's been, honestly, he's been unreliable his whole career. Just ask Pelicans fans. He's hurt all the time. You just don't know that because you don't watch the Pelicans. You watch good basketball teams. So last year, they have a big break in the middle of the season. Then they go to the NBA bubble. He's well-rested. So people are like, oh, yeah, AD. I love AD. And AD's great. But he's not dependable. He's not dependable. And that's the other reason you can't put the teammate thing on. uh, You can't use that as an excuse for LeBron this time because he had a say on nearly everyone on the roster. He's the part GM there. You don't think he had to say it with everyone there? Even in Cleveland. That trade deadline, when they traded Dwayne Wade and Derrick Rose, and they shipped out everyone and brought in the younger Clarkson and Rodney Hood and all those guys. LeBron had the say in that. He's the one pulling the strings there. Same thing in LA. When he comes to the Lakers, he signs that big contract, he's making the decisions on who's coming in the roster. He has a say. So he had a say, and AD coming, Clutch Sports and all of them, he had a say with... Uh, keeping Kuzma, bringing in these veterans. Partly his roster decisions. So you reap what you sow there. I don't want to hear the, oh, he's got no hope. Like, yeah, his teammates played like ass. They did. They played like crap. Not an excuse. That's a game you got to win. At least make it close. Not even win. You lost a close game there. I can understand. Or make it competitive. There is no reason that team should be getting blown out by over 30. Like 30 points. That game was over after the first quarter. Which, it was sad. It was sad. And in an important game like that, to show no fight, it was disgusting. It was disgusting to watch. Uh, they're in trouble. I don't think, you know, 
I said Lakers in six initially. Obviously, it's not going to go that way. I'm, and like I said, you're probably going to be listening to this after the game because the game airs airs tonight. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, the groin injury is tough to overcome. And this is what happened, man. That's what happens. That's why I like the playing tournament, though, man. You take the regular season a little bit more seriously. You're stuck playing a pretty good Suns team here. Um... All right, now I want to give some credit uh, where credit is due here. And I talked about this series last week, how I was a big Grizzlies fan. And look, the Grizzlies are one year away. I told you they probably weren't going to win this series. And I did appreciate their fight. But I want to give some credit here to the Utah Jazz. Not all number one seeds are created equal. A couple years ago, the Isaiah Thomas, Boston Celtics, they were a number one seed. We all knew, yeah, this is not the actual one seed in the conference. LeBron James and their Cavaliers is clearly the best team See, we didn't take them seriously as a number one seed. When they lost, not an upset. It, it just wasn't. Uh, the Toronto Raptors, same thing. Try hard in the regular season, you get the number one seed. We all knew they were going to choke in the playoffs to LeBron. Now, this Utah Jazz team is different. And historically, you are used to seeing the Utah Jazz, and you're not, you don't take them very seriously in the playoffs because they have a history of failure. They blew the 3-1 series lead last year. Um, they always felt that the NBA Finals they were in, they fell short. Uh, with Carl Malone and John Stockton, two Hall of Famers, you know, they, they were always close and could never quite get over the top. Just the, it's a history of disappointment in Utah. So that's what you're used to. You see the Utah Jazz, you don't take them seriously. This year, I think you actually had to take them seriously as a contender. This is a legit number one seed. 52 wins, nothing to sneeze at. They have everything you need. To win in the concept. First off, they're the number one seed in the West, which is by far the better basketball conference, I think, this year. You had the Lakers, LeBron and AD, you had the Clippers, Kawhi and Paul George, Luka Doncic, uh, the Nuggets, they got the MVP on that team, Dame Lil- Like It's a loaded conference, and they're the best team out of all of them. And the reason they fly under the radar is for multiple reasons. Number one, they play in Utah with all the Mormons there, so they're not really the cool team. Nothing cool about the Utah Jazz. You, I mean, you heard during the All-Star draft, LeBron's picking their team. And Rudy Gobert gets picked last, and Donovan Mitchell gets picked near the back of the draft. He's like, well, you know, growing up as a kid, we never really played with those guys on Xbox, the Utah Jazz. They're not, they're not cool. They're not. Traditionally, the Utah Jazz are not a cool team. And number two, they don't really have any star pop outside Donovan Mitchell, who is an excellent player. Excellent player. But he flies under the radar. Not a big, you know, this team lacks a little star power. But they have all the ingredients there to win the NBA Finals this year. I'm convinced of it. I think they match up well against basically every team there is. Number one, they shoot the three lights out. They are a great three-point shooting team. You got a sixth man in the year at Clarkston. He shot really well. Mike Conley shot the three really well. O'Neal shot the three really well. Donovan Mitchell, game four, he heated up. He could not miss. Today's day and age, you need to shoot the three ball. They can do that. They have a guy that can penetrate. In Donovan Mitchell, you have your legit star or your legit star player. Whether he's treated like a star across the NBA, as a, offensively, he's as gifted as any player in this league. Donovan Mitchell, he can get, he can penetrate. He can get to the rack. Jordan Clarkson, another guy, he can get to the basket. Like their makeup there. Bogdanovich on the outside. Spot another five, three point shooter. Very good player. 
Then you have your rim protector. Yeah, one of the defensive, arguably the defensive player of the year. He's probably going to win. Rudy Gobert. So they're matching up against. Don't, name a team. They match up against them. Lakers. Rim protector right there with Gobert. They play legit defense, and they can keep up scoring with them. Clippers. Who's the big man that's stopping Gobert inside? They're having trouble right now with the Mavericks. I mean, so th- there you go. Like, and I, like I said, as a high-octane high scoring team, even in the other conference, say they make it out of the conference, you know, Giannis is not going to be able to waltz into the rim like he usually does. It is tough to dunk on Rudy Gobert. Paint protection. And the perimeter, Mike Conley, I'll take him guarding Middleton. He's pretty crafty. They're deep. They shoot the ball well. They have a paint presence. And that's a scary team. I would not want to play the Jazz in the playoffs, especially coming off that 3-1 loss last year. They saw how much it stung, and you could see when they had a chance to close out this series against Memphis, they smelled blood in the water, and they pounced on it. Full throttle. I think they learned from it. They have some experienced guys here. This is a scary team. This is a scary team. Now, Mike Conley got it hurt at the end of the game uh, five there, so hopefully he comes back because he's a major factor of this team. I love the veteran presence he provides, but just up and down the lineup, man. You look at them, it's like, it's pretty scary. Like, the, 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 the even the role players. Like, you have the sixth man of the year in Clarkston. You got O'Neal, uh, Bogdanovich. <laughs> this team can play. I, I think this is kind of my under-the-radar team that I think is going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I really do. And I think they have a shot to win. I Even against the Suns. Suns, too. If they come out of the Lakers, Suns, whoever comes out of that series. Um, I mean, Mike Conley's no Chris Paul, but a banged-up Chris Paul. Mike Conley has two crafty veteran point guards. The one's healthier than the other. Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, two talented scorers. They match up. DeAndre Aiden, Rudy Gobert, two big men. They match up. They match up pretty well. And I'm willing to bet a little deeper. I will take a Bogdanovich or Clarkson over a Cameron Payne in the Suns bench there. So, there you go. Do not sleep on the Jazz. That's a, that's a, that's a good team. Another team, you know, that I kind of, I really do like. This is, where I, this is gonna be my, my bold prediction for the second round here. Is I, I really like the Milwaukee Bucks too. I think the Bucks can beat the Brooklyn Nets in the second round. And that's going to be a fun series. I think it goes seven. I watched a lot of the Brooklyn Nets in round one. Um, and you know what? That's a, they're, you know, they live, they were up, they were as advertised. They were as advertised and they started playing a little bit of defense, but I don't see with the Celtics, they have no big man. So it worked out because they played smaller. Like, Tristan Thompson is a pretty small as far as your average center goes. Uh, but now you got a Brooke Lopez for the Bucks and then a Giannis going into the lane. Who on the who on the Nets is stopping Giannis? Your best chance is Kevin Durant. But coming off an injury, you really want him standing in the paint with that freight train barreling down and then trying to get it done on the offensive end? It's going to take a lot out of him. So... It's it's a team that can that's that's gonna be a seven game that's gonna be a seven game series. I'll probably take I'm looking I think the Nets win in seven, but do not be surprised if the Bucks blow off the upset. This is my almost upset of the second round. 
put it that way, because that's one where you're looking at matchups. They don't match up well with uh, with Giannis. There's not a whole lot of people that can stop him. We saw with the, they tried with Bam Adebayo, who Bam Adebayo is better than any center currently on the Nets roster right now. And it's not really even close. And Bam Adebayo is only, I think he's a B-plus caliber player. And they, they, he, got, he got worked in that series. He kind of shrunk. The, the, for the for the Bucks to go in there and dismantle a, a Heat team that was just in the NBA Finals in four games, uh, yeah, I'll give them a very good chance against the Nets this second round because um, it is a good team. Now the Celtics, who just got knocked out, um, they just got knocked out by the Brooklyn Nets. They, there's some major news there. Uh, Danny Ainge is stepping down as the. Uh, GM there, and uh, Brad Stevens is going to go to the front office role, and they're going to be looking for a new coach. So there's a lot of people going around talking about whether Danny Age's tenure with the Celtics was a failure or not. Um, and you know what? I don't think it. I, I don't think it was a failure. There was nothing to be ashamed of there. He ran into an era where he had one of the greatest players of our generation always blocking him. It's kind of like with Charles Barkley in the 90s and the the Utah Jazz teams we just talked about with John Stockton and Carl Malone uh, or even, you know, even the Supersonic with Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. And it was just unfortunate they ran into a buzzsaw named LeBron James that blocked them every year because they he put together, I mean, you look at the team, what he did. Get rid of Kevin Garnett's contract. Not only does he get rid of Kevin Garnett's contract, which is expensive, and Kevin Garnett was well-liked in Boston, but he he ships him out, gets a haul of draft picks in return. That was the biggest steal of this century, probably, with what he did to Billy King in the Nets, in in that trade, and what he was able to acquire with all those draft picks. Then he brings in a star in Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie just didn't want to be there, but he acquired a star there. Then you trade down in the draft, Everyone's typing about Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball. Oh, Lonzo Ball is a big thing. He trades down in the draft, and he gets the best player in that draft by far in Jason Tatum still. And then he acquires Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward, another good player. Just didn't work out. Broke his ankle literally in the first few minutes as a Celtic. So yeah, that's not Danny Ainge's fault. Like He put together some good teams there that had like legit chances, and the breaks didn't work out. Kyrie didn't want to be there. He flaked out early. The injury problems. Hell, even this year, Jalen Brown, I think, could have made that series a little bit more interesting. He got hurt. He put together good teams. They could never make it over the hump, whether because they face the greatest player, uh, arguably of all time, in LeBron James, every year in the conference finals, or just bad breaks, injury-wise, personnel-wise. It's not all Danny Ainge's fault. I think he put them in an excellent position to win. There's just a high standard in Boston. Boston's one of those, like, Mount Rushmore franchises than the NBA where the, like, the standard's different. Like, it's no Memphis. If it was Memphis, they'd be building a statue, Danny Ainge outside. Like, oh, we did one of the greatest GMs of our franchise history. It's just high standard there. He didn't meet the high standard. But I think he, what he, he did and was he able to do and keep that team relevant over all of his years there, I think they only missed the playoffs once under his tenure. So, yeah, I think he, he, I think he was definitely a success. Did he catch some breaks? Yes. He caught breaks. But like every successful person, you're going to get lucky sometimes. Tell me Tom Brady never caught a break on his road to the Super Bowls? He absolutely did. Absolutely did. Michael Jordan can catch breaks. You got the second best, the best two-way player, arguably of all time, with Scottie Pippen. 
Of course he caught breaks, but it doesn't take away from his greatness. And I, I'm not saying Danny Ainge was great at that, but he, he did a solid job. He does not deserve any criticism. Um, I don't think it was a failure by any means. I mean, look, they didn't win the title, but uh, it's tough in this day and age of super teams, and I think he, he did all he could uh, with, with uh, what he had there, and he kept them competitive. So I give him I give him plenty of credit. Now, Brad Stevens going to the front office, I think this will be interesting. I think maybe he's burned out of coaching. I don't know. I thought you had one of the better coaches in the NBA with Brad Stevens, so I think it's kind of uh, – by removing him from behind the bench there, I don't know I don't know if you're gonna be able to find another coach better than him. I'm sure his input will still be there, but I thought he was a good head coach in the playoffs this year. They were just outmatched. So I, I think that's a little bit of a downgrade there. Uh whoever you get, and we'll see where they end up going. But uh, that would be a little concerning if I'm a Celtics fan. Uh which I'm not. I mean I care less about the Celtics. <laughs> but yeah, that's where that's where we stand. Uh, that uh, Knicks got knocked out by Trey Young, the villain in Atlanta. I oh, took a bow yesterday after hitting this dagger three. Oof! Mercy, mercy. You could kind of see it coming too. The Knicks just didn't have enough offensive firepower. That's the typical Tom Thibodeau team. They play hard in the regular season. They steal a bunch of games they really shouldn't win because, like you know, you're in the middle of January, in the middle of the week. You're playing a good team. They're probably mailing it in. They're resting stars. They're semi-trying the old 75%. Or Thibodeau's not going to have that. Like, they're playing hard every night. So you're going to get a like you're gonna get a couple more wins than you should, which is why I like them. I'm not saying you shouldn't play hard every night. You definitely should. But in the playoffs, where everyone's ramping it up and they're fully focused, they just didn't have the talent to match up. Um, typical Knicks playoff. But you know what? They got that. That's a stepping stone. It's like if, if I'm the Knicks or the Grizzlies, that's a positive first step, especially if I'm the Grizzlies right now. Because you're, you're, you're a team like the Grizzlies. Last year, you made it into the playing tournament. Positive first step, you lose. This year, playing tournament again, you win your playoff tournament, playing tournament, you make it into the actual playoffs. And in the actual playoffs, you win a game against the number one seed. You get bounced. That's a positive step. You, you grew there. And they only have one free agent, so they can run it back. But you add another player, you add another couple talented pieces to that team, I think you take the next step, you win a playoff series, and you slowly grow from there. Because John ja Morant is going to be a star. He already is kind of a star in this league, and he's only going to get better. Once that shooting improves, watch out. Because that's going to be, that'll be interesting. Now, speaking of shooters, this is the last thing I want to say about the NBA uh, playoffs here. Um, the one team, you know, and I said this team's like legit. Uh, like out of the surprise teams because like it's the general consensus before the playoffs was oh it's gonna be the Lakers in, in the East and it's gonna be the Nets in, in the West or the, in the East the Nets in the East the Lakers in the West uh, and the Lakers are in, they might get bounced first round and like I said I think there's some legit contenders in each of these conferences where it's not gonna be the traditional chalk bracket like many people think um, even the Jazz is the one seed I'm, I'm sure people have them losing in the second or third round the Jazz like I said earlier they have a chance to make the finals. Uh, the Suns is another team that they they have a legit shot. People didn't really see that coming. I think the Nets also, I mean, the uh, Bucks also do. Um, they, they, the the Bucks are the one team that have a legit shot to knock off the the Nets, and they're they're gonna get their chance second round. Because uh, whoever wins that series, I think that's the de facto conference finals. I do not buy the 76ers. That is why the Nets the Nets broke the uh, Nets Milwaukee series is going to decide who comes out of the east i don't buy the 76ers at all i think the the wizards they exploited something we all kind of knew 
is late in the game, Ben Simmons really doesn't have that dog in him, and he cannot shoot. He's just an exploit. He's basically a glorified center that can ball handle out there. I'm not saying Ben Simmons isn't a good player. He is. But when he was drafted, there was people like Colin Cowherd coming out there saying, like, this guy is going to repl- He's going to be the next LeBron James. This is the next best thing in the NBA. Um I don't, I don't see like yes, he plays good. He provides value. It's Ben Simmons, of course he does. He can pay. He's an above average passer. He plays good defense, and he can get to the rim. Problem is, he cannot shoot free throws. He has shown no ability to improve his jumper over the years. Like the one weak part of his game was his jump shot. Like people were literally giving him wide open threes, and just clogging the paint against Ben Simmons, knowing he wouldn't take it. After your rookie year, your second year. You would see that and think, hmm, I better get in the gym this offseason and work on that. Instead, you see him out with Kardashians doing God knows what. His jump shots have marginally improved over these years. Because if he had a legit jump shot, you could put him in the top 10 players in the NBA. I don't think you can right now. Because you can't trust him late in the game. Like it was, There was an argument, should we have Ben Simmons with Embiid injured, who should be your best player on that team, should he be on the floor in the final two minutes of a close game? Because what the Wizards did was, well, they're not going to let him shoot. When he tried to get to the basket, they're just going to follow him. And then he goes four from eight from the free throw line. It was more of a liability out there. They lost that game. They had a chance to close it out early, get an extra steal, an extra day of rest for Joel Embiid, who went down with the knee thing. And they couldn't close it out primarily because Ben Simmons couldn't shoot his free throws. And he's so casual about everything, too. He he, he doesn't look like there's any dog in him. Like, he's no killer mentality at all. And obviously not everyone's going to be like the Kobe Bryant Mamba mentality, but like... At least have some competitive edge. Like, he doesn't look bothered by losing at all. Winning, he's marginally excited. He's just so even keel. I would like your leader of the team. And it's kind of the thing with, like, I was talking about LeBron James earlier. Like, you, you want to have that, like, dog in you or sense of urgency that you need to win. He's just so nonchalant about everything. So that's why, like, I, I'm hesitant if I, he's the best player on my team. And I don't see the Sixers, especially without Joel Embiid. I, I don't think they're a legit contender. And Joel Embiid's another one of those guys. You look at, like, um, Anthony Davis. Can he really be relied on? Because he's always hurt. You just kind of have to expect him to be hurt. That's why I, you struggle building a franchise around him as the primarily guy, primary guy because he's not reliable. Over 50% of the time, he's probably not going to be on the floor. You're rolling the dice with that. So, you know, that's why I don't really buy the whole Sixers uh, in the process there. Well, we'll see how it goes, though. Um, they'll probably win their second round. They're going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think they beat the Hawks. Uh, but uh, we'll, we shall see. Going to NFL land here for a little bit. I want to talk Chicago Bears and the quarterback play because there's been some a little bit of rumblings about this, like what's going to happen uh, here. Who who should play, be the week one starter between Andy Dalton and Justin Fields? Obviously very exciting. And, you know, initially I I, I was under the impression, like I, my, my belief is like Andy Dalton playing, it's good for a young rookie quarterback. You don't have to rush him out of the field. Like sitting there and watching can be beneficial. We've seen it in the past. Uh but that being said, and you know, I compared it initially to the Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith situation in Kansas City. But this is kind of flawed for a couple reasons, and he, he, here's why. The difference is there, because Alex Smith had been in that offense with Andy Reid for a while, knew it like the back of his hand. He'd been playing there. So it was easier for him to teach Patrick Mahomes an offense that he already knew really well. And Patrick Mahomes can sit back and watch quarterback 
that knows the offense and run it really well, that's been doing it, he's going to get a lot more out of that. As opposed to a guy like Justin Fields, he's coming in with Andy Dalton in front of him. If he's watching, Andy Dalton's learning this offense too. This is the first time Andy Dalton's been in it. So they're both learning on the fly here. They're picking up at the same team. And Justin Fields is a smart guy. Scored the highest mental aptitude test out of anyone in the draft. He knows what he's doing. He's a, he, there's a good chance he picks up on this offense just as quickly as Andy Dalton does. Because they're both brand new to it. And if Justin Fields looks really good out of camp, or if not better, there's no reason why you couldn't start on week one. Now, I'm not saying you have to rush him. I think you, you, you don't force him out week one, but if he looks ready to play week one, you plunge. If he was truly the better quarterback in camp and he wins that job, then I think you, you absolutely have to play him if you're the Bears because uh, there's only so much benefit it's going to do on the sideline watching a guy that is new to the offense as well. So if you're playing better than him in camp and there's really no benefit for you sitting there watching Andy Dalton get sacked behind that terrible offensive line, uh, I, I think you throw him out there, especially because Justin Fields has shown maturity. You know he's a smart guy. You've seen some poise in some big games he's already played. He's been on big stages. He's handled pressure before at Ohio State. He knows what he's doing. So if he wins the job out of camp, you play him. Now, I still stand by the fact you don't have to rush him. There's no need to rush a rookie. Just because you draft a quarterback in the first round does not mean you have to trot him out there week one because that's a good way to shatter his confidence. I think the Bears threw out Mitch Trubisky way too early. Um, and that you did a deal to his confidence quite possibly. It's But uh, if they're ready to go, and you know they're ready to go right away, which all signs indicate Justin Fields is, then yeah, you play him absolutely week one. Um, so we'll see how that goes there tim tebow saga continuing in jacksonville apparently he cost all of his passes and otas the first day Ugh. this story needs to, i hope already the number is one selling jersey on nfl network or nfl network nfl.com the number one selling jersey but this is like one of those things with those toddlers like when you don't expect like he preys on someone and you're really happy for him so like for example, the White Sox. Billy Hamilton. Love Billy Hamilton. He provides a lot of value to the White Sox. Hitting usually isn't one of them. He hit a home run the other day uh, against the Orioles. The dugout was nuts. That was Lance Lynn said afterwards that was one of the most excited I've ever seen a dugout in, in my career. They were going crazy for him. The next day, he hits another home run. That's two home runs in two days for Billy Hamilton. All of a sudden, he looks like a power hitter. Once again, the dugout's going crazy. They're all happy for him. The reason that you get that reaction, like when Jose Abreu hits a home run, they're happy for him, but he's a home run hitter. He's done that before. It's expected because he's a good player. When Billy Hamilton hits it, it's a huge deal because he doesn't suppose he's not a home run hitter. You don't expect that from him. Like it's the same thing with Tim Tebow. Any other tight end in this league is not making news that he caught all of his passes. You are expected to catch all the passes that at you and OTAs, especially when you're playing against air and going walkthroughs with pennies on. They don't even have pads. So of course, he's going to catch all of his passes. That should not be news. If Tim Tebow catching all of his passes is news, that means they don't expect him to catch many passes because he's not that good. So Billy Hamilton of tight ends. I, I just don't, I don't see this thing. The fact that he's getting more attention right now than your number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, who's won multiple national championships and arguably the greatest quarterback in college football history, is a little problematic. 
Like, I think the focus in Jacksonville is on all the wrong things. You have Urban Meyer Circus, Tim Tebow now. I don't know. I don't like it. Name the last time you saw the team with the most noise during the offseason and sideshows and distractions be good. It's like what we talked about with the Steelers last week and the Green Bay Packers and their whole Aaron Rodgers drama. The Jaguars will not be good this year because of this. One of the reasons because of it. Also because of their general lack of talent. There's a reason they're picking first overall. Uh, so they're not going to be... That's not a playoff team there. You can already tell right early that this thing could get ugly. Packers, same thing. This They're... Packers will have some talent, though, so they, even if Aaron Rodgers does play, they'll be a playoff team and everything, but, like, it's no, it's, it's no Super Bowl team. There's red flags, both of this. I heard that, and that, that gave me uh, a bit of a chuckle. Uh, <laughs> there. Let's end with this. The White Sox and Cubs, Chicago's number one baseball city. It's a great time to be a baseball fan in Chicago. Uh, Liam Hendricks wins Reliever of the Month, AL Reliever of the Month. Uh, for the White Sox, 8-0 uh, in save situations, uh, zero earned runs given up, 0.0 ERA in the month of May. And for the NL, Ryan Tapera of the Cubs. So a clean sweep for Chicago relievers. Chicago, that lockdown, Tapera was excellent as well. Uh, I think he had seven holds, 0.61 ERA, so he was superb. And both the Cubs and White Sox are in first place right now it's a fun time to be a baseball fan in chicago these cubs they just they just swept the padres san diego padres that's a big sweep the cub are the cubs back are the cubs back they might be chris bryant playing at an mvp level uh he just beat a very good ball club in the bullpen which i thought was gonna be some patchwork bullpen heading into this looks pretty good dirty craig kimball he's back at it he, he looks like he's been rejuvenated, found his form. They started to swing the bat well. The pitching's been good enough. Now, is this just sustainable? Because this is where you get the crossroads, and it's interesting. Because you got a lot of guys on the light, like Chris Bryant's on the last year of his contract. And they've signaled that they're moving towards more of the blow this up and let's cut cost phase than they are the contending phase. But right now, you got a first place team. So you could go two ways. You run the course, obviously. You finish it out, see what happens. We all have a good time. And then you're going to lose a lot of these guys for nothing. Or you sell them right now when their value is the highest. Chris Bryant, you're going to get a lot of value. Playing an MVP level, despite having one year left, you're at least on the contract, you're at least going to get some value for him, especially right now. It's like buy low, sell high. His stock is very high right now. It would be a great time to sell. So it's a difficult decision because obviously you want the fan base, you want to see him win, um, especially right now that they're playing so well. It's like, why would you blow it up when we're playing our best baseball? They took care of the Pirates uh they swept them and they sweep the Padres so you take care of your business both there so it, that's a tough decision um I do not envy that decision I think I, I think if I am in Jed Hoyer's shoes and it is not the most popular posi- position and this is objective because I'm not a fan. If I'm a fan of this team, I'm saying you write it out. Like if it was reversed into the White Sox, I'd say write it out. But as an objective viewer from the outside perspective, I think you start selling during the deadline because number one, you you showed what you you got rid of you Darvish, you got rid of Victor Caratini, you showed your hand. You got rid of John Lester, Kyle Schwarber. That yeah, we're prob we're we're trying to cut costs and sell here. That's number one. Are you going to be able to afford Chris Bryant after this year? After the numbers he put up, knowing Scott Boris is an agent, and you still have to pay Wilson Contreras and Javier Baez? No. You probably can't afford him. He's probably going to be gone. So why not get something for him? Your farm system is bare. Why not? And this core has shown they're not World Series 
caliber team. And yes, this has been fun while it is, but did you see them as a legit World Series contender this year? No. What did they show me to make me believe that they're going to make it out of the first round of the playoffs? You know, one good month, the month of May, where you beat down on the Pirates a lot. It was kind of a glorified AAA team. You know, it's not, I don't see sustainable success there. The relief pitchers there. Yeah, the relievers are weird like that, but, like, you look at that group, it's not a bunch of talented arms. I don't see it as sustainable success for the Cubs, and that's why if I was Jed Hoyer, I'd be like, all right, the value is pretty high for these guys right now. I'm taking advantage of this, and we're working because we already know we're trying to cut costs. That, that was the goal heading into the year, and now they're going to pivot. So, not saying I agree with it, but that's what I would, uh, it, nor do what I wanted to happen as a Cubs fan, uh, if I was a Cubs fan, which I'm not, but, uh, if I'm Jed Hoyer right now, that's what I'm doing. And it's a tough decision. But, like, also the thing you have to remember is, even if I do this and I irk the fan base, they're still showing up to Wrigley Field. They're a bunch of drunk idiots. They showed up for over 100 years, and that team was crap. It's a bunch of take your shirt off and have a keg party in left field where you go to you ask Cup man, oh, who won today? I don't know. The Ryan Terrio years and the Carlos Marmol. Like, if the team's bad, they're still showing up. So you're going to see some big revolt. These idiots will show up to the north side no matter what. They were called the lovable losers for a reason. So, like, yeah, are people are going to be pissed? Yes, but they're still going to watch. Like, people were pissed about the marquee network thing. People are still watching. People are still showing up at the ballpark. Same thing will happen here. Um, that's all we have for you. They're phenomenal. They got the really cool hats, too. I'm going to Fanatics. I'm going to get a hat. You know where you should go, though? If you want to get one of those hats, you go to our Twitter bio. We have a link in our description. You click that link. It'll take you to a link tree. You click the one for Fanatics. It'll take you right to the site. You shop like usual. And when you use that link to shop, Fanatics will kick a portion of that sale to the Unhinged Sports Network and our podcast. So you'll be supporting us. You'll get yourself some new gear. It's a win-win. Why wouldn't you go do it? That's a no-brainer. No-brainer. What else is a no-brainer? The equivalent of no-brainer in the sports world. Uh... The Jazz are good. No-brainer. I guess it's not a no-brainer because I had to explain that. That was a bad example. Um, blowing up, but trading Chris Bryant. No brain. I guess that's another. <laughs> these are these. Are, Tim Tebow shouldn't be tight end in the NFL. No-brainer. There you go. That's your no-brainer. So yeah, that's a no-brainer. So so is this. Although even if you like Tim Tebow, you can go Fanatics. You can get his jersey there too using our link. So another no-brainer. Lots of no-brainers. Take advantage of it. Uh, we also got Fubo TV. You want to watch the NBA playoffs on your phone, stream it on your laptop, watch it anywhere, on the go. Fubo TV's got you covered, along with other live sports, entertainment, hundreds of channels. You can get a free 14-day description. Click on the link in our Twitter bio. Once again, go to the Fubo TV link, and they will kick a portion of that to us, so you'll be supporting us and uh, them. And once again, Primetime Sports Talk, your go-to spot for uh, sports gambling, a podcast, fantasy advice blogs you name it they got it listen to that and of course the unhinged sports network which you're listening to right now uh, catch all these shows live you can catch us every wednesday or thursday at four o'clock central 5 p.m eastern and lots of other shows around the clock you tune in at three in the morning there's gonna be a show on for you unhinged sports network it's a place to go great podcast on there all right That is all I have for you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your week.